0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today
1: with Byte. This week on the Chicago Bears Review, with the bye week on the horizon, our beloved heads south to the bayou for a date with Drew Brees and the Saints as they look for their third straight win and to close out the first eight games with a 500 record. Can the Bears get it done or will Breeze and Company be bad hosts? Tyler Raymond of the Who That Dish podcast joins us on the week eight preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Can our beloved go down south to the Superdome and come away with their third straight victory and close out this hellish gauntlet of the first eight games with a surprising 500 record? What's going on, everybody? Larry D back for the week eight preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. And, you know, wouldn't it just be a hell of a thing to start out one and three and then to finish winning three of the last four Going into the second half of the schedule with a 500 record. I mean, we talked about this at the beginning of the year when the schedule came out. I mean, it was just looking at it, you know, it was brutal from the very beginning. In you know, like I I remember, I had the day off from work when the schedule came out, and there it was. NFL Network saying, you know, the Bears were you know in the top five strength of schedule for the first eight games. And then in the second half of the season, things ease up quite a bit. And that was the first time that I used the metaphor about the Bears being that boxer. You just want to weather the early rounds so you can try to make your move in the late half of the fight. And here we are about to close out the early rounds, and we are still, you know, we're, 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 we're close on the cards. You know what I'm saying? We are in there. Uh, three and four right now. We could finish at 500 and... We got two weeks to get ready for an Aaron Rodgersless Green Bay Packer team. Our first matchup with Detroit is after that. Um, San Francisco um, is down the line. Cleveland, Cincinnati, um, you know, a, a second game with the, with the uh, you know, both games with the Lions. Uh, you know, like I said, Rodgers without, you know, the Packers without Rodgers. Um, you know, it's it's a much, much easier back half of the schedule we could possibly do something in the second half of the schedule i mean anything is possible at this point i mean because nobody after the embarrassment that was tampa bay and then the embarrassment again against green bay on national tv nobody thought we'd be in this spot you know that we would beat the the ravens on the road that we would dominate the panthers at home it's funny because i was just thinking about it on the way home from work today that um, this team oddly reminds me of the last team that the Bears had that started a rookie quarterback um, because his starter because the starter just wasn't holding up his end. They also started one and three that year, and also had a great defense and an offense that uh, just flat out could not put points on the board, and that was the team in 2005. You know, And you've heard me talk about that team a lot because that was a team that the defense basically won just about every game that we had on the schedule that year. There weren't many, if any, big blowout victories for the Bears that year. It was the defense is going to suffocate the opponent and the offense just needs to put about 14 points on the board. Because if you go back and you look at the records uh, for the 2005 team... Um, in every game, uh, I mean, they basically held the opponent to 10 points or less in at least half of the game. And I'm just doing this off memory. At least half of the schedule, eight games, the defense allowed 10 points or less, you know. And after a 1-3 start, the Bears went 10-1 and one, uh, before losing the uh, finale at Minnesota, in which the Bears uh, basically benched the team to get ready for the playoffs because the division... Had already been locked up, so they they started out one and three, and then they rattled off. I think they won eight in a row before they lost to Pittsburgh on the road that year, and then you know won their remaining games and then lost that finale that they weren't trying to win anyway uh, against the Vikings to finish eleven and five. So I'm not saying that we're going to rattle off eight straight wins. I'm just saying that we've gotten through the toughest part of the schedule. And we're playing our best football now, at least defensively, anyway. Uh, The offense is chomping at the bit, and uh, hopefully they will, uh, you know, get released and, and be, you know, allowed to do more now that we're getting into a section of the schedule where the defenses aren't as daunting as the ones that Trubisky and company have faced the last three weeks. You know, Minnesota, Baltimore, Carolina, known for their defenses. And this week against the Saints. Not a notoriously good defensive team, but one that's been playing better defensively. You hear me talk about that quite a bit with our friend Tyler Raymond here in just a few minutes. I'm not going to talk too much because uh, Tyler and I um, had a nice long conversation, a good uh, 45 minutes, if not more, um, we got, we've got to talking. Um, good stuff, though. Really great conversation. Glad to have him on uh, again. Look forward to being on his show on Monday night to review the game. Which should be interesting. I've never done that before to talk to somebody after the fact. uh, Never quite done that. Only just did it that once with Dan Cotton during the preseason, you know, but there are no consequences to the preseason, so it wasn't that big a deal. Here we are. There's a lot on the line, you know, for both teams. The Bears could, um, you know, get themselves to 500, a three game winning streak for the first time since 2013, Um, you know, and in a division that's basically wide open right now, now that Rodgers and company. Are um, you know not what they once were while he was there. So um, this thing could get interesting, especially with the way the second half is laid out for the Bears. It uh, you know, as somebody who's who's obviously watched the team closely, especially over the last several years, you know, you, you you start to trust the team a little bit with, especially with the way the defense is playing. You know, with with the game that they had last week, man. You know, where they basically you you kept waiting for them to. Bend to the will of the Panthers and it was their will to keep the ball and, and keep it on the field and you know would the Bears eventually break under the pressure of being out there for 70 plays when the offense did close to nothing to help them win that game and to see them come around and to hold fast I mean and not give up anything more than that field goal in the first half it was um you know it it's it's kind of that thing that, that that's you know like, God help me, <laughs> I'm starting to believe in this team. And, um, you know, if only the offense could come around, this could really be something special that we have on the horizon because it's it's kind of being laid out with the schedule that we have coming and the way that the, def- the, the division is kind of shaping up with Rodgers gone uh, for an extended period, if not the whole season. Um, you know, can the Vikings maintain? Will the Lions be able to? Answer and so on and so forth. So it's going to be an interesting time uh, in the second half of the uh, second half of the season. Uh, but before we get to our talk with uh, Tyler Raymond, just two quick notes, and then we'll go over the injury report real quick. Um, but first of all, Eddie Jackson, our rookie uh, safety from the University of Alabama, is your NFC Defensive Player of the Week for Week Number Seven. Um, Tell you the truth, I didn't do my research, so I don't know what his stats are outside of those two touchdowns, but did you really need anything else? The guy single handedly won the football game for us uh on Sunday. His his uh, two touchdowns were the difference uh between the Bears and the Panthers on Sunday. So uh, you know, great job from Eddie Jackson, right place, right time. Living up to the um you know, the notes that we heard about him when the Bears got when the Bears drafted him was that he, the kid always seems to be around the ball and sure enough there he was you know mr johnny on the spot uh twice on sunday and uh propelling the bears to a uh, unlikely victory especially with the way the offense played uh on sunday so and then the other big bit of news was uh yesterday uh it was broken by uh, i believe adam schefter from espn that the bears made a trade with the san diego chargers for wide receiver don'trell inman Uh, The Bears give up a conditional seventh-round pick in 2018, so next year's draft uh, for the wide receiver. So basically his performance will determine whether or not San Diego gets that pick. Uh, Last year in 2016, 58 catches, 810 yards, four touchdowns. Um, And it's not a bad-looking highlight reel that I saw uh, just from from last year. It was just showing his 2016 highlights. It looked decent. Uh, The corresponding roster move was the Bears waived uh, Jonathan Anderson. Uh, the inside linebacker, I guess that's a sign that, um, Nick Kwiatkowski is, um, you know, closer to being game ready, uh, instead of just being active and on the sidelines like he was last week, maybe he'll be ready to, uh, contribute. It also could spell to how quickly John Timu is going to be coming around, uh, with that knee, uh, knee slash ankle injury he suffered against the Vikings, uh, a few weeks ago, if we're comfortable enough, letting him go. So, um... My dad thought for sure this was going to be the death of Tanner Gentry, and thankfully it wasn't. So uh, it's Tanner, it's uh, Jonathan Anderson, not Tanner Gentry, uh, an inside linebacker who was uh, you know expendable. Uh, now that we're getting some of our guys back and healthy, so uh, he joins the team. And the Bears officially announced it today um, after Inman passed his uh, physical. Apparently, he was hampered or injured or something like that earlier this year because he's only got like two catches for nine yards so far this season. I think he's been out of the lineup with an injury this year, but he passed the physical. Uh, He didn't practice today because of that physical, but he is expected to play on Sunday. So that's the word uh, right now. And uh, we'll just transition over into the injury report. Inman was on the list, but as a non-injury, you know, basically he didn't participate. So he had to be on the injury list as for why. Uh, also not injured but not practicing today, Mark Sanchez. And I know you're all so shocked and disappointed to hear that. It was an illness, so it is the season. So maybe he caught a bug uh, or what have you. Uh, other names, Bryce Callahan was limited on Wednesday but was full participation today with a neck injury. Uh, Benny Cunningham limited yesterday and today with the a in, uh, hamstring injury. The hand injury was Hironis Grasso, still limited uh, with that hand injury. Uh, Kyle Long didn't practice Wednesday but was full participation today, so probably getting a, a Veterans Day rest as uh, was the tradition when Lovey was around. Sherrick McManus and Roy Robertson-Harris both uh, have not practiced yet this week, both with hamstring uh, injuries. Um, then we talked about Sanchez. Timu uh, with the ankle and the knee injury still haven't practiced yet. Mitch Unrine, limited participation with a quad injury, full participation today, and Marcus Wheaton, what? Marcus Wheaton? You're kidding. Did not practice yet with that groin injury, so he's still uh, injured, apparently. So he's not hurt, he's injured. And what was one name that was not on that list? The guy that I just talked about, Nick Witkowski, not on the injury report thus far. So, I mean, not even listed as full participation, so... They're basically saying he's not injured anymore. So, I mean, I think that bodes well uh, going forward. So maybe he gets the start on Sunday. If not, he's the first guy off the bench behind Trevathan and um, Christian Jones, who has been playing well in his absence. So um, there you have it. There's your uh, injury report. And, um, you know, I'm excited about this game on Sunday. I really am. I will uh, talk a bit more about it after the interview when I sum of things up. And uh, shut, uh, shut this baby down. But uh, right now I'm going to step aside and want to bring in our friend uh, Tyler Raymond from the Who Dat Dish podcast to help me preview Bears Saints for week number eight. Week number eight has our beloved Chicago Bears closing out the first half of the season on the road at the Superdome against the New Orleans Saints. And the Saints on a four-game winning streak after starting 0-2. And here to help us uh, preview this ball game between the Bears and Saints, from the Who That Dish podcast, Tyler Raymond. Tyler, welcome back to the show, man.
2: Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure being here, Larry. But, um, yeah, I'm excited for this matchup. I'm excited to see what both of these teams can do Sunday. So, <laughs>
1: It definitely should be interesting. Um, You know, looking at the schedule for the Saints, you got off to a rocky start there. I mean, especially that first game against Minnesota, I watched uh, a good portion of the game, and it did not look as close as the final score indicated, 29-19. to When I was watching the game, I, I admit I didn't watch the whole thing, but it really looked like Minnesota just ran the table on you guys. And then week two... Uh, you you open at home against the uh, the Patriots, and it really didn't matter that the Saints were there because all that mattered was that the Saints lost, or excuse me, that the Patriots lost week one. So of course they had to win week two, no matter who it
2: was. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep and yeah, it was unfortunate, but I, the NFL has noticed by now. But the Saints have come a long way since then. They've just, felt, in my opinion, uh, done a complete 180 in regards to what this team. Has been able to accomplish not only on their defense, but as a whole, especially uh, with their balanced offensive attack now. So,
1: and speaking of which, you know, you go from from that loss to New England. The, you you kick off this four game mm-hmm. win streak. The first two game, three or four of which have been on the road. You're at Carolina, at Miami, home for Detroit, and then uh, last week at Lambeau beating uh, Green Bay. But what's most interesting is that not only did the Saints rediscover their offense after 19 and 20 points week one and two, but the defense is kicking in as well. You got 13 from Carolina, you got a shutout against Miami, and then only 17 for Green Bay last week, and I know that 38 points from Detroit, there were some defensive touchdowns in there yeah. uh, for the Lions, so I mean, what's what's going on with the defense? Well, how did they uh, just finally uh, decide to figure it out?
2: So, at first, I want to give some credit to Dennis Allen, because I think right now, without his brilliant scheming, the Saints wouldn't be anywhere right now. Now, obviously, uh, the Saints did a really good job um, when it came to their uh, previous draft that they just had, where they have really big impacts from their rookies. that are contributing to the team right now. You have Alvin Kamara, for example. You had Alex Anzalone, a linebacker, who, who unfortunately right now is on injured reserve because of a shoulder injury, I believe. But hopefully he'll be back at the end of the season. You have other rookies in Marshawn Landmore, who's been phenomenal, uh, who's been our lockdown cornerback through these past few weeks. And then you have a safety uh, in Marcus Williams from Utah, who's been playing pretty well. So I think right now this defense has come down to somehow, some way. Uh, putting things together, learning from their mistakes the first couple weeks, making some personnel changes, and they've been getting to town. I think right now with this team, I think most of it has to do with, on the secondary part, if you look at what they've been able to accomplish the first couple weeks, they had different cornerbacks in. But these past few weeks, they've had Ken Crawley, an undrafted free agent, and Marshawn Lattimore, like I mentioned, who have been uh, providing better coverage for the Saints defense. Defensive linemen, for example, Cameron Jordan, Alex Olgafor, they've been able to generate pressure because they have those extra couple uh, seconds. But if, uh, let me see if I can pull it up for you, Larry. I've got some key stats right here that just uh, just goes to show how well they've been doing these uh, games as a whole. So the six games, the New Orleans Saints 2017 defensively-wise, defense-wise have 17 sacks, 8 interceptions, 9 forced fumbles, a 46.8 Percent, third down percentage and points per game they're averaging 19.8 so it's obvious compared to years past that they've turned something around and like me and many other Saints fans we're happy to see it so it, it's been huge the improvement has been phenomenal
1: yeah to see quite a turnaround from your from your defense like that I mean because after the first two weeks giving up 29 points to the Vikings, 36 at home yeah. uh, to the uh, Patriots, you kind of had to feel like, here we go again. It's the same old Saints. Drew Brees yeah. is going to have to score 50 points a week to win football games again this year.
2: Yeah, and the funniest part right now, I think, uh, to mention what you said about the offense with Drew Brees, Drew Brees has been he has been average this year. He hasn't been playing uh, anything out of the ordinary. He's thrown a few interceptions, but I think the best part about this right now is Uh, Unlike previous years, you don't need Drew Brees to win you these games. The defense is finally playing at a caliber where, uh, unlike in years past, where fans have almost said, oh, great, here comes the opposing team's offense down once more to score on us again, you know, to essentially lose us the game. This year it's, okay, well, let's see who's going to end up making the key a play for us on defense. Is it going to be the defensive line? with a batted pass or a forced fumble? Is it going to be the secondary with an interception? I think to go along with that, it's not only the defense that's making plays for this team. It's the balanced offense that the Saints are finally having. Unlike years past, Drew Brees has mainly been the staple of this offense. They've always been the team to throw for hundreds of yards for several points. But this year, they've relied on two main players, and that is Alvin Kamara, their rookie running back out of Tennessee, and Mark Ingram, their veteran running back. The tandem together has been phenomenal. They've actually not only managed to clock a lot better, but they've kept everything very balanced. And, And I think this will be... On uh, the third possible game where Mark Ingram could have upwards of 100 yards, uh, we'll have to check on that after. But um, everything's been really looking forward. To, um, everything's been going in the same direction. It hasn't been what they're used to, especially from a fan's perspective. But, but it's certainly something to look out for, I think, with this team as they go forward. Um,
1: Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, the the Melvin Ingram 100 yards on, on the, the the Bears. I don't know about 'Cause you know, the, the one defensive the one unit right now that is playing in spades uh right now is is the defensive side. And um, you know, we shut down uh Atlanta. Uh Le'Veon Bell for the Steelers, he could do nothing last week. I mean, even even Cam Newton trying to get fancy and running the football wasn't happening. I mean, it's it's been a struggle mm-hmm. for teams trying to run the football against the against the Bears. So I don't know how much um, you can expect from from Ingram and uh, Kamara this weekend. I mean, you never know, because um, me being the, the ever the pessimist for the Bears, it's uh, like <laughs> they've been playing so great lately, you know. Usually when, when we Bear fans get our hopes up, like, hey, if we win this Sunday, we'll be 500 going into – The bye week and, you know, 500 after having, you know, being pronounced ahead of the season, having like the second or third toughest strength of schedule for the first eight games of the season for this team to be in this position right now is outstanding, especially considering we started one and three, Mm -hmm. you know, to be in a a position to go four and four would be the Bears getting their fans hopes up again only to gloriously let us down uh on sunday so it wouldn't exactly blow me away if that did happen if Engerman Kamara go nuts and the bears can't figure out how to stop the run but if we're looking at the the team that's played the last couple of weeks it's going to be tough for you guys uh to do that that's for uh that's for sure but um you know it's it has been interesting like when i saw the stat line last week um Breeze threw more interceptions than touchdowns, and you guys still won anyway. So I I, I, I yeah. definitely see where you're saying there There has to be more balance if they still manage to score 26 points and win the game when uh, when Drew Breeze uh, had basically a negative stat uh, on his stat line on Sunday.
2: Absolutely, and I think that has to start with what the Saints are doing right now with their personnel you look at uh for example in their wide receiver a wide receiver group they're missing right now willie sneed to a hamstring injury after he came back from suspension you have michael thomas who at times has been actually shut down from opposing cornerbacks because michael thomas last year had a breakout season so teams are finally starting to realize oh maybe we should cover michael thomas so i think this all has to go with sean payton utilizing the best 11 players on both sides of the ball for the Saints right now. Obviously, you have a talented rookie running back in Alvin Kamara, who I personally envision is almost like a, a hybrid of uh, Reggie Bush, Pierre Thomas, and Darren Sproles. I think if you cross a bit of all three of those guys' DNA, I think you get somewhere in the lines of Alvin Kamara. Then you have, obviously, the dominant running back in Mark Ingram. But I think it just has to come down to with being consistent. I know sometimes when it comes to throwing the ball, the Saints have struggled a little bit. So I think having some, something to rely on in a running game, you know, that can consistently, at least for right now, put up points for the Saints, get them downfield where they need to be to, whether that be catch up, uh, catch up, whether that be points or put a game away. I think right now it's honestly, it may not be the best offense we've seen in the history of the Saints, but I think it's one of the more consistent, reliable offenses we can rely on as far as going forward with this team.
1: Right. And, and, and um, you know, I find it interesting that the, the, the running back uh, position was strengthened by the departure of Adrian Peterson as opposed to beforehand. Mm-hmm. Everyone was excited about Adrian Peterson coming in there and this, uh, this multi headed monster. I mean, the, the other thing that's interesting is that, you know, getting rid of him, you know, also got rid of a major distraction because Peterson was very vocal about how unhappy he was. With the, the the limited amount of carries he was getting, uh, being a part of a tandem running group,
2: absolutely, yeah. And I think when you when Adrian Peterson came in, you got a very emotional vocal player, as you said. You have a player who hasn't won a Super Bowl, but has played phenomenal in his past years with different teams. You know, in Minnesota. And when I when I look at back at what didn't work with the Saints and Adrian Peterson, I see I see it more as a personnel group and more than anything i think right now the offensive line is more acquitted to what mark ingram is good at don't get me wrong adrian pearson i believe still has something left there we saw that the one game against uh tampa bay where arizona just ran it down their throats and uh adrian pearson had a phenomenal game but i think at this point it's just a matter of using what the Saints know best. And and let me be honest with you, at the very beginning of the season, I thought that this team could function well with Adrian Peterson uh, playing similar to a Tim Hightower role, what the Saints used to have uh, when he was around, Hightower. But, um, you know, when push came to shove, he didn't fit. And I'm glad he's with Arizona now because he's the main back right now until some of their other players get back. And the Saints have been showing that they're fine without him so it's a win both ways but i just hope success uh goes for peterson and the saints going forward what was the other half of that trade what did you guys get for him um i believe it was a conditional six round pick
1: okay i can
2: i believe it was a conditional six round pick
1: all right not a, actually a king's ransom for uh for adrian peterson but then again you know he's what 12 years into his career and And uh, and whatnot. So, um, you know, um, I just you know, I just like I said, I I, going into the season, I really thought that was going to be huge uh, for you guys having him there, Mm -hmm. if nothing else, you know, his experience and and his, uh, you know, he could be used as a decoy to open things up for you guys and and so on and so forth. And it just, you know, it was amazing how fast it did not work out. Um, And, uh, you know, how quickly things went sour as far as just the the relationship uh, between you know Sean Payton and and, mm-hmm. and Peterson,
2: and the funny thing is about it, I think that's what a lot of fans were initially expecting with Peterson is bringing him in as a decoy or using him in different uh, personnel packages that would really throw off opposing defenses. You figure because you have Alan Kamara, uh, Mark Ingram again, and you have A.J. Peterson, so you have three different versatile backs that have a lot of different skill sets. But when it came to New Orleans, I think the offense they were using with Peterson, I think it was blatantly obvious. when you Because Peterson right now, he isn't the type of running back to catch passes out of the backfield. He isn't the type of running back that can run a route tree to perfection like other players can with the saints right now. So it was obvious that when you had him in the backfield, they were going to run the ball. So he didn't have as much production as he typically would somewhere else. But like we said, though, I am very happy that the saints ended up moving on from him. Uh, This team has been known in the past to try experience with different players. You have champ Bailey who they tried once from the Bron- uh, Broncos on the defense, that didn't work out. You know, this team it is a combination of trial and error. You see what works, you see what doesn't, and if it doesn't, you move on from it. But as long as they don't hinder the team in any way, I'm fine with whatever's going on, as long as it helps the Saints going forward. So, I'm,
1: is is that what we have to thank for on the on the defensive side? Was it trial and error and finally getting the right personnel? Was it something in, in you know? Was it a a scheme change i mean is is Dennis Allen been trying to get fancy and throwing some blitz packages in there or you know what's what's the you know what do you think is the the magic uh the magic uh you know the the magic lamp for the uh for the Saints that uh, that all of a sudden you know here it are they they are playing like one of the better defenses in the league right now mm-hmm.
2: I think it's a combination of two things. I think, one, it's the health of the team right now. You look at going forward, the Saints haven't lost too many key players for their team. Obviously, you look at this year as a whole, in the NFL as a whole, you practically have, if you're looking at uh, typical names, you know, players that you're familiar with, such as J.J. Watt or uh, David Johnson, for example, you could pretty much have uh, an entire team built-on players you're familiar with that have had season-ending injuries. So I believe, first off, that the Saints not losing anybody too important or the players that they have lost, they will be hopefully getting them back by the end of the season. I believe that, going forward, has helped the team. And I think it's also to do with drafting. You look at right now, the Saints had, I believe, either three or four uh, rookies that were making an impact for the team every single week. You look at, on the offense, although Kamara wasn't starting, he was still someone who is getting countless touches, countless um, carries, you know, for the Saints. You look at not only is Marcus Williams starting, but as is Marshawn Lattimore, those players are able to provide a better close-knit, a tight coverage for the team that is allowing veteran players in Okafor and Jordan to finally have enough time to get to the quarterback. I think it all around, I I think it comes down to everyone working in tandem. I think you play as good as your worst player. If you had to ask me, I'd probably say our linebacking core is probably the weakest um, chain in this uh, chain mail that the Saints are wearing. But, um, yeah, like I said, everything's going well so far. I think you have to equip that to not losing too many players from injuries and the draft class being very impactful for this team, especially on defense.
1: Well, it's a good thing to see as as just a general football fan to see the Saints – finally doing well with their draft picks and such because the saints for years were notorious for being stuck in salary cap hell because they were, um, Absolutely. you know, how are we going to pay drew Brees? And, you know, let's, uh, even though we're 9 million under the cap, let's give, you know, this ridiculous contract to, um, <laughs> what was his name? The safety that you guys, uh, signed Darius bird. There you go. Darius bird. Let's give him like a $50 million contract, even though we're, you know, 10 million, you know, over the cap right now and and things like that, to finally see them building their team through the draft again, uh, you know, it speaks to the longevity that the team could enjoy going forward.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think it comes down to, like I said earlier, trial and error. I think with every team, some more than others, you find out what works in this, what works in these personnel groupings and what doesn't, you know. Sometimes you just have to take a gamble. I think that's what Champagne is known for, you know, Mickey Loomis, Champagne taking gamble on players, hoping that they could finally have a big enough impact to propel this team into winning seasons. But I think this year they really didn't have to do that. I I was watching, for example, free agency a while back this offseason before the season kicked off, and the Saints were just about in position to make a trade for Malcolm Butler. And if we uh, for those who don't know, the Malcolm Butler is the cornerback right now for the New England Patriots. But if you look at right now what uh, Butler has accomplished, and you compare that to the extra first-round draft pick the Saints used, which they probably would have given up, uh, if truth be told, for Butler. What they used on Lattimore. Lattimore has been an obvious upgrade to what Butler could have been. So I think it's just a matter of doing everything right in hopes you don't fail miserably. I think it comes down to just taking gambles, and I, I think if you look back at when the Saints won the super bowl in 2009 you look at that faithful gamble at halftime when they did the onside kick you know just reckless uh gut instinct moves like that is what champagne is known for and this this season is what's given the saints the edge through four games so far
1: yeah it's been uh it's been interesting to watch and you know of course as a as a, as a football fan, it's it's good to see because, uh, you know, you're mixing it up in the NFC South again. Um, you know, you guys are in mm-hmm. a hell of a position right now because the Falcons are not playing well. The, the The Carolinas lost two in a row after they got off to a 4-1 start, and Tampa Bay did not come out of the gates the way that everyone expected them to. And then here you guys were kind of lingering in the shadows with an 0-2 start You've won four straight, including a victory over Carolina, and it seems like the, the rest of the division is crumbling around you while you guys are striving at the moment.
2: Yeah, uh, I think just to go off of what you said there, any given Sunday, you look at right now, uh, when I look at the NFL as a whole, there hasn't really been a team that stands out to me that's just been steamrolling everybody else. I think that's a good word to define how uh, teams usually do. Uh, when it comes to the regular season uh, in the National Football League. You look at a couple years ago, it was the Carolina Panthers when Cam Newton had his MVP season. Last year, you look at the New England Patriots and the Atlanta Falcons with their dominant uh, offenses. And This year, it hasn't really been anyone. Uh, obviously, you have surprising teams like the Philadelphia Eagles. You have the Los Angeles Rams, surprisingly. You have the Kansas City Chiefs. You have the Jaguars, who... If they had a quarterback, they'd be right in it, too. But I think right now, the Saints need to take advantage of what they've been given. I've always been a firm believer of it's not what you do with your team, it's how others do with their teams. That not only impacts your outlook, but impacts how you do going forward. So I think with the Saints right now, they need to take advantage of every single game, especially the teams in the NFC uh, for... Their last remaining 10 games, five of those are going to be divisional matchups. So I think you need to take advantage there. But, yeah, like I said, everything's sort of not where it should be. If the if I could use one word to define the NFL right now, i call it the twilight zone. You know, you have, you have a place here where the Rams are surprisingly over 500. And you have the Philadelphia Eagles of all teams leading the NFC East. So it's certainly been weird, to say the least.
1: Yeah, it has been interesting thus far, you know. And I think I saw it on 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 Sports Center or something the other day when they put up the you know the division leaders for the four teams in the NFC. You got the Eagles, the Saints, the Rams, and the Vikings. And the the uh, you know the guy the the announcer on the show was like, just like we drew it up at the beginning of the season. <laughs> I mean, everybody knew yeah. at the end of October that the Saints and the Rams were going to be in first place in their divisions i mean everyone knew that right and of course the eagles would have the best record <laughs> in football and yeah. uh, you know it's just like and of course the vikings would be running away with the nfc north right now so you know it's it's it has been strange and you're right with with the teams out there even teams like kansas city that got off to a five and zero start or um you know even the the eagles who have looked great in the last several weeks no one does seem like that world beer. Everyone, and even the Patriots, you know, they've mm-hmm. lost two games already so far defense. this year. And, yeah, their defense is not very good at all. I mean, they finally showed up this week against the Falcons, but that seems to be the exception and not the rule with them this year. So everybody seems vulnerable at the moment. This thing could be – this whole thing could turn on its head. And, the the you know, maybe the Eagles can be this year's, um, you know, vikings who started off five and zero last year and ended up eight and eight and you know didn't make the playoffs or or something crazy like that with how crazy it's been so far so it's it's a yeah but kind of season so far it's like yeah mm-hmm. yep. the rams are five and two but there's still 10 games left to go it, you know a lot of things can happen yep. between now and and uh december 31st when the season uh closes out
2: yeah, and uh, to go off what you said there, I think everyone's almost at shock, are uh, uh, in shock right now at what's going on. You even have teams in the AFC, like the Buffalo Bills and the New York Jets, who actually the Saints have to face. Both those teams in later games. Uh, Buffalo will actually be going to. So if you want some time, I can tell you how that goes. But <laughs> yeah, I think it's just been really interesting going forward. How nobody, I think. In, If you ask any single NFL analyst, ESPN, NFL Network, not one person would have predicted this kind of outcome for all these teams going forward. Not to mention, I think that has to go back with all of the major injuries going forward with all these teams. You have teams, for example, in the Green Bay Packers, who could have been big contenders in the playoffs after they lost Aaron Rodgers to, I believe, uh, his collarbone injury. You know, that sort of knocks them right out of there. You have... Teams like the Texans who lost J.J. Watt, surprisingly. That sort of bumps their defense down a bit. It's just been it has been really unfortunate when you think about it, you know. You have all these passionate players who are trying to make impacts for the teams. Great players who have been sidelined due to injury. And I think that's mainly one of the big reasons why the NFL is sort of flipped upside down right now. Yeah, I mean, the, the Bears and the Saints
1: are in a very similar situation as far as the— You know, the second half of the schedule really is going to determine how the season turns out. Because when the schedule came out for the Bears, the first eight games, it's like, good God, we'll be lucky to be three and five. And here we are, we're in a position right now to actually be 500 uh, at the end of the season. And I made the metaphor that the Bears are going to be like that boxer that, Mm. you know, you want to just weather the storm in the early rounds so you can get into the later rounds and maybe make a killing there because the second half of the bears schedule, you got the Saints, you got the 49ers, yep. the Bengals aren't playing well. We got the Lions twice and an Aaron Rogerless Packer team in the second half of the schedule. That sets up pretty well, especially with the way our defense is playing right now. And here you guys in the Saints, you guys have five division games coming up uh, in that yep. second half of the uh, in the second half of the schedule, both games against the Falcons, you got Tampa Bay twice and, uh, you know, the, uh, Carolina uh, at home this time around. So, I mean, you, you guys are in, in a position where if you can weather the storm in your own division, you're going to be in pretty good standing when the season closes out.
2: Absolutely. I think when you look at it, I didn't realize how favorable your schedule looks, yeah. uh, your team's schedule looks by the end of it. It gets pretty crazy. I think in both these teams... Yeah, I think right now the NFC North is wide open as far as who goes. You know, Case Keenum, for example, for the Minnesota Vikings, I don't believe there's a quarterback that can consistently win you uh, the amount of games needed to put that team in the playoffs. Matthew Stafford has been hobbling his way around in games. So you don't know if the Detroit Lions are a team to contend for the NFC North. And your Bears, they have a consistent defense. I think right now in the NFL – What you need is consistency, whether that be on the offensive line, the offense as a whole, the running game, the defense, anything. If you have consistency week to week, that will guarantee you something in this league. I think the Saints right now, to go off of this, has been trying to just reemphasize consistency as a whole for this team. You look at positions that were normally uh, unthought of when it comes to actually being talented you look at the secondary the defensive line finally being able to making finally being able to make plays i think right now especially against a good bears team if they want to uh close out uh howard and your running game i think they're just going to need to be consistent and continue doing what they're doing if not even produce more because as it gets further down the line uh, if the saints team wants to make the playoffs i honestly i'm cautiously optimistic right now if they want to make the playoffs they're going to not only continue to do what they're doing now, but they're going to need to take it up a notch.
1: No, I definitely agree with you there. Like I was saying before, it's definitely shaping up that it's going to be your division to tank, because it seems like the Panthers are slipping, uh, Atlanta can't quite get their footing right now, and the, like I said, Tampa Bay came out of the gates, the the opposite team that we were expecting And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, uh, with Rogers gone, it's definitely a wide open race, uh, in the NFC North. Now to talk about our game, the, the one Mm -hmm. thing that, that has me less than optimistic about our chances on Sunday is our offense. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the fact that this past Sunday we were, uh, we produced all of three points on the offensive side. And if not for the Eddie Jackson show, um, we would have been looking at a 3-3 nail-biter in the fourth quarter against the Panthers yeah. uh, on, on, on Sunday. So, you know, outscoring your opponents is the name of the game, and we can't depend on our defense to keep putting up 14 points on the board uh, each and every uh, Sunday. And as far as, like, if I had to – if I was a betting man and I'm looking at this thing, you know, unbiased – you know, I would have to lean towards the Saints. I mean, I definitely love the chances that for the Bears to win this game on Sunday, but I would have to skew heavily in the favor of the Saints simply because their offense can score and mine can't. Mm-hmm.
2: And I think that all has to come down to what you said earlier in a little bit is which part of which team is going to get off first. Right. I think, like you said, in the Bears, you have Mitchell Chubisky. Obviously, he, he's a talented quarterback. You know, what he did at UNC is obviously something to keep aware of. So I think, especially with the Saints, if we somehow manage to—not that it's not possible, but I think it's something to keep an eye on. If they somehow manage to limit uh, your playmakers you guys have in your backfield to under 100 yards, that will essentially be uh, forcing Chubisky uh, to, uh, to make plays by himself to get your wide receivers involved. And I think that's something, if it goes that way, I think it will favor the Saints. Now, the Saints could be said for Drew Brees. Although Drew Brees is a Hall of Famer, I believe that if there isn't any consistency, if there isn't, isn't any balance through our offense, I think you might see some struggles there. Because I think right now, in the past, Drew Brees has been known to always throw for hundreds of yards, touchdown after touchdown. And... When you look at it, if you had to ask me, I think the ratio of passing to running was more 6-4, to 7-3. to three. Now it's pretty even. So I think this year, if your team wants to continue to win, I think it's going to take for the Saints some consistency, even against a very good defensive line, who we haven't mentioned yet. But Akeem Hicks, one of their stars, was a former Saints player. So I remember I was actually – uh, on my own podcast, uh, Dayton and I, uh, he's our co-host. He, uh, We both mentioned how Akeem Hicks, when asked about Drew Brees, he was a little salty in saying that he didn't really want anything to do with it. So I think he might come into New Orleans with a bit of a grudge against him. And I'm curious to see how that goes, especially.
1: Yeah, I just actually read an article a little bit before we got started here uh, about Akeem Hicks and going back to New Orleans. And, um, yeah, he, he hasn't gotten over it. So, yeah. Um... You know, uh, Akeem Hicks straight up is a pretty tall order. A pissed-off Akeem Hicks, I'm Mm -hmm. interested to see what that's going to be like uh, on Sunday. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's going to be interesting. At the very least, the best word to describe him would be bitter. Um, He is not happy about the way things went down uh, with his departure. Now, granted, it sent him to to New England, which doesn't suck for anybody, but, you know, he wasn't happy about, um, you know, being cast out. Uh, of new orleans and 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 uh, what have you so i'm interested to see if what if anything you know the impact will be of uh, akeem hicks showing up that way uh on on sunday so i mean when i talked to the panther guys last week they were asking me who is it that they need to be worried about and i said well the one player on defense that you have to know where he is on every single snap it's akeem hicks because Leonard mm-hmm. Floyd, he can come and go in the passing game. Same thing with Pernell McPhee uh, or Sam Acho, our outside linebackers, our primary pass rushers and whatnot. The secondary seems to be taking turns on who's having great games and, and whatnot. And our linebacking core was was a revolving door because people were getting hurt. We seem to be a bit more stabilized now with Danny Trevathan being back and Nick mm-hmm. Kukowski seems to be healthy. Christian Jones and stuff has, has done well on, on the inside. The, the one consistent cog in the wheel has been Akeem Hicks, so you have to know where that guy is on every single snap because he can hurt you against the run, in the pa- – I mean, he's the leading sacker for – basically, he's an interior defensive line. He's got six sacks right now. He had seven all of last season, so, I mean, he's on a tear right now. Usually, when guys get paid, you see him ease off the gas pedal, not this guy. He is uh, – he's been – Absolutely. He's been an animal for the Bears uh, last year and this year – Uh, especially. So if he's coming in with a chip on his shoulder, I'm wondering how that's going to affect him mentally and physically when the game starts, uh, when the game takes place uh, on Sunday. And I hope it will be enough to get the Bears a win because it's, um, you know, the offense, it's not that Trubisky can't do it. Um, My main complaint, and I think maybe we talked about this over the summer, the reason that I didn't want the Bears to draft a quarterback is that we just weren't ready. We didn't have the supporting players for a quarterback. Absolutely. That's still the case. Even the even though you know Mike Glennon was awful and we had to throw him against the bench and put Trubisky in there, he gives us the best chance to win. We still have no one out there, and I'm interested to see what Dontrell Inman. I don't know if you heard. Uh, I got, did hear actually. Yeah, we got him from the from the Chargers today. Interested to see, A, if he plays because the Bears are notorious for that kind of thing. Hey, we just traded for this guy, and he's going to be inactive on Sunday just to screw with you. So, you know, that could happen. But interested to see what impact, if any, he has in the passing game um, on, on Sunday because I know that we're going to need the passing game to beat the Saints. I just know that we're going to need that because the blueprint for beating the Bears is if you stop the run, you're golden. So, yeah. Uh, even though that didn't end up being the case against Carolina, thanks to our defense, because the the defense the offense only had like 80 yards rushing in the whole game uh, last week. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan Howard had 65 yards on like 21 carries. He did not have a good day, but thanks to Eddie Jackson, it didn't matter. So, but um, like I said earlier, we can't depend on them to do that each and every week, and especially against the team with the Saints. That at the very least, you know, Sean Payton and his imagination can figure out a way. Uh, to outscore the Bears on Sunday.
2: Absolutely. And um, uh, go back to what you said about Akeem Hicks. You know, and when we rewind the clock a little bit, when he was with New Orleans, he he was a decent player. Don't get me wrong. He was decent, but he was never that breakout player that he became in Chicago. So props for awakening that bear of a beast over there. But um, I just have to mention here, you'll probably enjoy this. I don't know how much you follow uh, the week prior to uh, an opponent uh, for the Bears. But the Saints are going to be without their starting right guard and Larry Warford, um, uh, who's actually you guys are common with, uh, familiar with in the past because of I believe he, he played was with Detroit. Detroit. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, he has an abdominal injury, so that might sideline sideline him for a few weeks. So right now the Saints are going to be rolling with, uh, we assume, is going to be our backup offensive lineman. He's more of a versatile player; he can play multiple positions. Or offensive lineman Senio Calamete, who uh, who isn't familiar, who is familiar with the right guard position, but he sort of played a little bit of everywhere. Basically, we plug him where we need him. But that'll be a matchup I'm certainly interested in seeing. Hopefully, it goes well for the Saints and Drew Brees doesn't get punished badly. But I'm surprised to hear you say that uh, with uh, with everything that's been going. Right, right now, with Chicago in the running game, that it'll actually be the passing game that will secure this victory for you guys. If you uh, do so, if the Bears tend to do so, I I think personally, you know, I I think sometimes the Saints could be a little overcomplicated when it comes to teams just relying heavily on one thing. Yeah, you know, if you understand what I'm saying, I think you know, in a Bears team that relies so much on the running game. If it really kicks off, like if it really gets going quickly, similar to what it did in Green Bay, I, I'm not sure how the Saints are going to stop it. I think in the second half, they might make some adjust, adjustments to um contain it. But I think right now, for me personally, uh, see, uh, being a Saints fan, Saints analyst, looking in, I would see you guys running it 90% of the time just to really Set the tone. You know, I think running the running, I think running the ball is a perfect opportunity for teams to really set the tone in games, to really manage the clock, to really set the pace for their offense. So,
1: well, and I agree with you, one hundred percent. And I think that's what you're going to see on Sunday. Is that when they, you know, that they're going to come out running nine times out of ten. It's you know going to be run left, run right, you know, run up the middle, maybe punt on fourth down, that kind of thing. But you know what what I'm talking about as far as the passing game is concerned is that having some kind of impact in the passing game. You know, I I don't mind the oh, Bears being gotcha. a run being mm-hmm. a run heavy Makes team. Sense. I don't I don't mind that at all. We have we have the horses to do it. We have the offensive line to pull it off and Jordan Howard is a beast and Tariq Cohen is something special um you know more than we thought he was going to be coming into the into the season. My concern is that when the Bears try to pass it's damn near embarrassing to watch them try. So, I mean, if, if not mm-hmm. only did we only attempt seven passes, only one of them was targeted to a wide receiver, one. So the rest was, you know, wow. and if if not for the 70-yard play to Tariq Cohen that set up our field goal at the end of the first half, Mitch Trubisky ends up with, like, 30 yards passing on three of six. You know, he, he, he got, like, 70% of his passing yards on one play. So, I mean, that's what the passing game wow. was like last week against uh carolina number one the offense was barely out there they had like 21 minutes time of possession they were barely on the field uh last sunday which is what makes what the defense did so extraordinary uh last week they were out there for nearly 40 minutes uh on sunday but like watching the bears run the ball at times is like banging your head against the wall because the defenses that we've been facing have been loading up you know you would you would think there's 14 guys in the box with the way that they're just pouring into the backfield, they're shooting the gaps or, you know, they can see what play we're, mm-hmm. we're running a mile uh, a mile away and they just come pouring into the, the backfield on third and one, we lose three yards because everyone just, you know, uh, just head, you know, what's it called? The student body left, student body right, that kind of thing. It's like, okay, well, they're running to the left. So nine guys go to the left and, you know, you're running into a brick wall and, and that's all there is to it. Uh, kind of thing so it's like I'm I'm more concerned about mm-hmm. if the Bears if and when the Bears throw the ball that they actually do something with it as opposed to hey we have to run the ball because we got two yards on first and second down and it's third and eight and of course you throw the ball on third and eight so mm-hmm. you know I would like to see us mix it up a bit more yeah. I can pretty much guarantee that any first and ten play will be a running play mm-hmm. you can only I can guarantee that's what you're going to see uh on sunday and, w- and against baltimore it drove me absolutely insane because baltimore knew that and more times than not we either got nothing or lost yardage on first down because baltimore was looking for the run on first down and they guessed right just about every single time
2: mm-hmm. Now, i've actually got a question for you this will lead into um, what i'm going to mention in a sec but would you say mitch chubisky is one of those dynamic players that can not only affect you through the air but with his feet with his legs
1: he has shown that he has the ability and he, and the other the other part about mm-hmm. it is that he's really smart about it too you okay. know he's not going to be like uh, i mean he's a backup on our team mark sanchez you know the guy that doesn't know how to slide or the guy that will blow <laughs> out his knee sliding incorrectly you but know fumble. yeah i mean but he's in you know i i hate to make the comparison just because like i can hear the groans coming a mile away but it's he reminds me a lot of aaron rodgers when he runs because Mm -hmm. Rodgers is very smart when he runs as well. He's going to get the yardage he needs. He's going to get out of bounds. He's going to slide. But if he sees the opportunity, he's going to turn up field and keep going. And uh, Trubisky had a run like that against Baltimore, where it looked like, okay, he's going to get five yards and get out of bounds, and then he cut it back to the inside, and he ended up getting a few more. So uh, I like the the very little that we have seen of Trubisky as far as him uh, running or being able to move around. Number one, it's a vast improvement. On Mike Glennon, because Mike Glennon would freak out when he got <laughs> under pressure. You know, yeah. you see him just go into full panic mode and he just crumbles into the ground. uh Trubisky tries to move around in the pocket at least, or has pocket awareness to know that he needs to move in order to open things up uh for himself. So I believe that Trubisky is the real deal. Uh-huh. And it's either going to take, you know, next season or 2018 when we add some personnel around him or you know the bears just finally turning him loose and letting him try uh before we really get to see what this kid is uh capable of but i as much as i was opposed to to him being drafted and 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 whatnot because i have been proven right the bears the supporting cast around him just wasn't ready to support him yet um Mm -hmm. i i'm glad that we have him and he does appear to be the real deal in my opinion
2: So, it's funny when you say that, about, you know, Trubisky being able to beat you both ways. And this is where I was going to bring the uh, discussion to. Is Obviously, I know that right now for the Chicago Bears, uh, NFL teams have been seeing that, that the running game is consistent. It's been working. So, why change it if it's not broken? Right. But at the same time, though, you have a, a young rookie quarterback who could, you could essentially see what he's capable of in his rookie year. You have players now and Carson Wentz, Jared Goff with the right scheme uh, that are able to produce these wins for their team because it's simply because of not only their coaching, of course, but what they're able to do talent-wise. You look at Carson Wentz. I was watching the game uh, just against Washington where it looked like Carson Wentz got sandwiched between a triangle group of players and they somehow escaped it and as he was going down through almost like a miracle touchdown in the back right corner of the end zone so I'm honestly surprised that they haven't opened it up a little bit more for Chubisky and here's a question I've got for you Larry do you believe obviously you have a good head coach I believe in uh, John Fox <laughs> would you say that he's a little bit conservative for what uh this team is capable of right now
1: you know, uh it's you know, if that, you know, if that's the, the rumbling that you're hearing is bear fans laughing all over the place and you're calling John Fox a good head coach. Um He's decent. Eh, you know what, man, it's is as far as bear fans are concerned and I'm one of these people, the John Fox era has been a disaster so far. Mm-hmm. Um and the the thing that's that's hurting Fox now more than ever is that it's coming out that you know, first of all, I have been vehemently asking for Doe Logan's head. That's our offensive coordinator because his, yeah. the play calling is predictable. It's boring. Conservative would be a generous word for it. Um, mm-hmm. But I've been hearing lately from beat writers and guys behind the scenes that know um, it's because of Fox Fox is the reason that Trubisky hasn't quite bit turned, turned loose yet because we pretty mm-hmm. much have the same personnel with a better quarterback than we had last year. And when Mike when Matt Barkley, of all people, was our starting quarterback due to injury for about five or six games, we were slinging it all over the field. You know, Mm -hmm. Jordan Howard was able to flourish the way he was because we were challenging defenses uh, with our passing game. And the fact that we've got a better quarterback now and pretty much the same wide receiving core that we had last year and were even handcuffed would be the best word to describe how most Bear fans feel about our offense uh mm-hmm. right now so i mean we you know when you talk about Wentz, you talk about golf both of them started and played the majority of their rookie season i mean Wentz played from minute one but golf came in you know early or you know mid to mid to, for you know first half of the season you know probably mm-hmm. like, like game six on he was the starter and you see what these guys are doing in year number two with a full off season underneath them they also added some pieces like with Philadelphia. Yep with uh Torrey Smith Alshon Jeffrey they added that to what they already had yeah same thing with with uh with um the Rams they added Sammy Watkins and Robert yeah. Woods and you know now they seem to be flourishing on offense as well thinking about that has me really excited about 2018 if the Bears can make it work in the offseason to add some pieces for for Trubisky to throw the football with you add that to Jordan Howard and that defense Whew, things could get scary for the rest of the league next year. But we yeah. here we are right here and now we're taking our, our rookie lumps and, you know, going to battle with the guys that we brought kind of thing. You know, like I said, I, I like our chances on Sunday, but I worry about, you know, whether or not we're going to be able to put enough points on the board uh, against the, against mm. the Saints to, to, to pull it off on Sunday. And it's in the Superdome and you guys pretty much always win in the Superdome, so... <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's going to be interesting on Sunday, and I'm definitely looking forward to it because this is the one game thus far that I can say I honestly have no idea what's going to happen.
2: Yeah, and neither do I, to tell you the truth. I think um, just to go back quickly, what you said there about Trubisky, you know, similar to the Saints have been in past. I think uh, similar to what you guys are trying to accomplish on offense, we were trying to accomplish on defense, and maybe it takes a really good. A draft to get that done. I'll look at what the Saints have done this year, like I mentioned earlier, with Marshawn Lattimore, who's easily been our, if we had to give one award to anyone on this defense, it easily has to be Marshawn Lattimore. And I think just what you guys are trying to accomplish there, you have a strong running game, you have a quarterback that, uh, depending on what he's able to do, will be able to make some plays for your team, you know, and that's a good division. So I'm personally, I, I'm sort of sick of the Packers. The Lions always win the division, so. Yeah, I would did. love to see you guys mix it up for a change. But to tell you the truth, I don't know what's going to happen either. You guys have a very strong running game, and I'm not sure if the Saints, especially with their personnel right now, if they'll be able to ta- uh, tackle or beat that kind of running game where they just rush it down your throat so many times. Um, I- I'm just not sure. You know, They have a great defense. They have a great running game. And the Chicago Bears, and – it's going to be interesting to tell you the truth. I know I know. our way, what most of the fans, everyone's been saying is just contain the running game and hope our offensive line holds well enough where we could put some points on the board. Because I think my initial prediction on the podcast I'm on, I think it was somewhere around either 20 to 10 or 17 to 10, something around that, where it's not a ton of points scored, but it's relatively close, you know, so...
1: Right, it's it's the I I'm I'm expecting somewhere in the similar in that similar area, you know. I mean, because I think this could go on the extremes. I mean, that's why I'm saying I have no idea what it's going to happen. I mean, the Bears can dominate defensively. Jordan Howard can have an afternoon and a half, or Drew Brees can unlock the puzzle to to beat the Bears defense and light them up for thirty five points, and it's over at halftime, kind of thing. I mean, I would not be surprised to see any of those things happen. What I think would really determine this game and it's the one the the couple of things the bears have been able to avoid the last few weeks you know the they the reason that the bears were a bad team or had played you know could be labeled a bad team or one of the worst in the league was that not only were they not playing well but they were killing themselves at the same time turnovers Mm -hmm. penalties self-inflicted wounds is what was killing the bears more than anything they've been able to like no turnovers last week, only five penalties throughout the entire football game. They smashed the Carolina Panthers the week before against Baltimore. The penalties were way down. We win the turnover battle against Baltimore. We win that game as well. So it's, you know, if the bears can cut down on the self-inflicted wounds, we can, we can hang with anybody. But if, if, uh, you know, you guys, the saints on defense, you guys have been generating the turnovers, getting after the sacks and things like that. If you guys can win the turnover battle, it could be a good day for you guys for sure. So, I mean, it, it, it all comes down to the self-inflicted wounds, turning over the ball and and the penalties. Whoever wins that battle, I believe, will win the game
2: on Sunday. It's funny. Just as you mentioned that, I mentioned it Monday, where I think the Saints, uh, as a team, needs to succeed most, is not breaking their foot in the process, You know, not shooting themselves in the foot. Right. Because as a fan, as an enthusiast for so many years, I know If it isn't the other team that's going to beat you, it's going to be the Saints themselves, whether that be a Mark Ingram fumble or a missed opportunity on the defense or a Drew Brees interception late, you know, as clutch as he could be sometimes. And surprisingly enough, though, I I think this is the biggest shock for everybody uh, this season for the New Orleans Saints as a whole is how many turnovers they've been able to produce, whether that be the interceptions or the forced fumbles. I think, at least from my perspective, I'm in awe. At what the Saints have been able to accomplish, especially from a team that besides veterans in uh, Cameron Jordan, Alex Sokafor, Kenny Vaccaro, you have a relatively young defense. And I think uh, over the past few weeks, we've sort of seen a swagger, uh, if you uh, allow me to say, with this defense. I, it's funny, I have on my uh, phone background wallpaper, uh, the New Orleans Saints have been posing recently every time they make a big play just last week against Green Bay. It was Kenny McCarroll who made an interception, and everybody sat down and uh, put the football in the middle and pretended as if they were roasting marshmallows on a fire. So they have this sort of swagger with them, <laughs> and it, it's really interesting to see, especially considering a team that hasn't really done it in the past. I can't remember a Saints defense uh, that has honestly produced this much, not even in, in when Rob Ryan was here, I, I believe the first year. I don't recall the year, but the first season he was here, they had a fabulous defense. They didn't produce nearly as much as what they're doing now when they won the super bowl they although they did get turnovers i don't believe it was as many as what they've accomplished now and like i said though i think with uh, this matchup i think is really underrated because of what the bears have been able to accomplish what the saints have been able to do surprisingly after 0 two start it's been underrated no one really saw these two teams coming as far as the nfc goes and i think if both teams don't shoot themselves in the foot it's going to be a good matchup to see. I'm really excited for it.
1: Yeah, I am as well. I'm definitely uh, looking forward to it uh, on Sunday because, you know, it can go a million different ways. And um, those are the games that you want to watch. You know, when you're when you when you're going into it, you know, it's like, yep, I know what's going to happen here. I'm pretty much, you know, just uh, you can stencil this game in. That's how predictable it is. This one, on the other hand, uh, I'm not too sure. And you're right. These are two teams that are kind of flying under the radar. Right now, one of them, for Christ's sake, is in in first place right now. Somehow still flying (laughs) under the radar. Because everyone's waiting for the Saints, or excuse me, the the Falcons and the... the, Basically everybody else in the division, waiting for the Buccaneers to wake up. Waiting for the Panthers and the Falcons to take hold of this division like they always have. And you guys are the ones sitting in first place right now. So everyone's just kind of waiting for that to fall apart. And the Bears, on the other hand well they haven't been very good in the last few years so of course this good ride won't last they'll find a way to figure it to screw it up and you know just be the same old bears uh again and and meanwhile we've got a top five defense and uh you know the bears and the saints are going into probably one of the 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 better matchups that's taking place on sunday
2: absolutely and i I wouldn't go as far as to say that i gotta give your team some credit here hey Right now, I, I think the Chicago Bears, to be completely honest with you, they remind me a lot of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and here's why. They have a strong running game. You know, uh, For example, in Jacksonville, you have Leonard Fournette. Uh, in this case, you have Jordan Howard with Chicago. They both have great defensive uh, defenses as a whole, especially on the front four. You look at Clias Campbell for Jacksonville, Akeem Hicks for Chicago. And I think it's just a matter of, of finding your identity. I think with the Saints... They've struggled in the past, especially on defense, when it comes to finding who they are. You know, they I can't tell you how many times when something hasn't worked, the first thing the Saints would do is take them out and find someone who could. But in the end, they never ended up finding anything that worked for that defense. And I think it's just a matter of, especially in this NFL, this season, where nobody really knows where they are. There isn't a team that's steamrolling everybody else to submission. I think that's a perfect opportunity. For my case, Saints, or in your case, the Bears, who take advantage, especially when you look at what the Bears have been able to accomplish. You know, they, they who they played so far. If you mind, uh, telling me again. Say again.
1: Uh, who, there, who
2: have their wins? Yeah, who? Oh, who the Bears played. Who have their wins come come against? Well,
1: we've uh, we're undefeated thus far against the AFC North, and so we've beaten the Steelers and mm-hmm. the Ravens, and then last week against the panthers um are yeah we we lost week one against atlanta where we, we should have beaten the falcons but we came up short week two was an embarrassment against the buccaneers week three was the win over pittsburgh week four another embarrassing display mm-hmm. on national tv this time on thursday night against the packers uh week five was minnesota that was trubisky's first start um that was the last game with the self-inflicted wounds week there were two penalties that took away. One was a touchdown. The other one was a play that would have put us inside the, the ten yard line. That would have at least resulted in a field goal. Those points would have won us the game. So wow. the self-inflicted wounds killed us on that one. And then we got the the win at Baltimore and the win against Carolina have been uh, yeah. you know the last few games. So I mean we've seen a slow and steady improvement with uh, as far as uh, the consistency. Uh, on defense, a word that you've used a lot here in this conversation, uh, you know. But you're right; yep. consistency is is a killer. As far as uh, you know, if you're consistent with something, it's it's going to benefit you in the uh, in the long run. It's a marathon, not a sprint.
2: Absolutely, and you know, like you said, there they have good ones against the Pittsburgh Steelers right now, who are, if memory serves me correct, on top of the AFC North and actually have the first seed right now if the playoffs started today good wins against the Carolina Panthers and said the Baltimore Ravens. So, you know, I think it's just a matter of seeing what these teams are able to accomplish, not only this Sunday, but as time progresses, because like we said, though, this, the Saints and the Bears are only six weeks in, anything could happen in 10 weeks. You know, if somehow the Bears, not that this is impossible, but if somehow, you know, the Packers really start to collapse. The Lions fall apart. That, that division is yours for the taking. Somehow let's say the Saints collapse, the NFC South is going to be for anyone at this point. But regardless, so it's going to be an interesting matchup, that's for sure. And I just hope uh, I just hope it's an interesting matchup for what both teams excel in. For the right. Saints, I'm hoping, uh, despite your defense, I'm hoping, I, I would love to see, because as a fan enthusiast of Mark Ingram, I would love to see him have another 1,000-yard season just after last year, which he did. So if he could accomplish it 100 yards, I'd love to see that. In your case, Jordan Howard, I'm assuming you'd love to see him go over 100 yards, yeah, which I'm nice. hoping doesn't happen. And I would love to see both defenses really control this game. I think that would be something uh, we'd love to see. You know, there hasn't really been too many defensive-controlled games this season. So,
1: Well, Tyler, I appreciate uh, appreciate your yeah. time. Good stuff. Uh, thanks so much uh, for being on the uh, so, you go ahead and uh, plug your podcast, in, in, which will include this amazing guest you're going to have on Monday.
2: <laughs> well, uh, for those who weren't aware, I'm not sure if you told anyone, but um, I'm actually going to be having Larry on Monday, so make sure to look out for that. We'll be talking about the Bears-Sinks matchup and what the t- two amazing teams we've talked about tonight, what they will accomplish, and see who ends up getting that win. So, as far as what happens with me and Twitter... You can follow my personal Twitter account. I love tweeting about the Saints if any of you are interested that way. You can follow me there at RaymondTylerM. And for the podcast account, it's called the Who That Dish Podcast. You can follow that at The WDD Podcast. So make sure you stay tuned for not only this amazing podcast tonight, but for Monday night as Dayton and I, that's that's my co-host, will be talking with Larry as we review the Saints-Bears games. Look forward to that.
1: Yeah, that should definitely be interesting to talk to someone after the game, as opposed to I, I'm 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 all about the previews and talking about what's going to happen instead yep. of talking about what what did in fact happen. So that's going to be an interesting yeah. conversation. So, Tyler, thanks so much for being on the show, Tyler Raymond, the Who Dat Dish yeah. podcast. Be sure to check that out, and not just when I'm on it uh, next Monday. Thanks again, Tyler. Anytime. Thank you again to Tyler Raymond from the Who That Dish podcast. Look forward to being on the show Monday. Hopefully, I'm there to brag about the the victory that the Bears had uh, just laid on the uh, on the Saints. And uh, hopefully, you guys will join me, especially if we do win this game on Sunday. And you heard me talk about it with Tyler. Um, this is a game, the probably the first one all year, where it's like, I really have no idea what's going to happen. Um, and that's because, you know... It, <laughs> The Saints are playing uncharacteristic defense right now. Uh, the Bears are awful on offense, and it's it's just a matter of you know who's going to give on this one. Because I mean, is is the offense going to wake up? As far as um, you know, many experts, uh, you know, Chicago beat writers, I want to say actually, um, have kind of been looking forward to this game for Trubisky. You know, this being the one where. Yeah, the Saints are playing great defense right now, but they're not going to quite get after you the way that this, the the Ravens, the Panthers, the Vikings are. I mean, this is kind of the first, you know, I don't want to say easy game, but the first defense that uh, isn't going to scare the crap out of you. You know, they're playing great defense right now, um, but this was the one that people kind of had circled. When the the talk of Trubisky starting was like, yeah, maybe you want to save him for this one. You don't want to throw him against, throw him to the Wolves on the, you know, that Monday night or against Minnesota. Now nah, you don't want to play him on the road at the Ravens. Uh, maybe not against the Panthers, but that New Orleans game, that might be the one. And I'm hoping that that is true. You know, I'm hoping that that Dontrell Inman can contribute, even though he's only been on the team for like 14 minutes. But hopefully he can come in and do something. Uh, to, you know, at the very least open things up for other people, maybe, you know, because the guy automatically comes in and he's the number one receiver. I mean, as far as credentials, experience and what have you, he's the best receiver we have right now. you know, he is. And um, that's just the state of affairs in the wide receiving core. So hopefully our wide receivers won't just be out there running wind sprints for 50 plays uh, on Sunday. They'll actually be out there running routes and catching passes because we're throwing more than seven times uh, against the Saints. But also, like you heard Tyler say, you know, Bears need to come out running the football, and I hope that we do. I hope that we are successful running the football. I just hope that we're not ignorant running the football (laughs) Uh, you, you know, you heard me tell, you know, it's sometimes watching the Bears run the ball. It's like watching. It's like banging your head against a brick wall because all you're doing is watching Jordan Howard take the ball from Mitch Trubisky and then run into a wall of blockers and defenders to get maybe a yard if we're lucky. And, you know, we, we need to open things up, maybe give Trubisky a run pass option at the line of scrimmage, let him come up to the line, take a look and see what's going on in front of him, and then call the play at the line. Be like, okay, I see we've got eight guys in the box, so we want to throw the ball here. Maybe have a hot route or something like that if if they bring any kind of pressure. You know, let the kid do his job. You know, let them let him do it because the, the other thing that's been so frustrating watching, and there's that word again, frustrating, it's, the, you know, we're either straight up running or we're straight up passing. We're not we're not bootlegging we're not doing any kind of play pass action or anything like that we're not trying to disillusion the defense at all we're not trying to trick them it's like we're coming at you here it's going to be a six it's going to be a five or seven step drop boom the ball's coming out period that's it we're not going to try to mix it up or try to get fancy with it we're just going to run a straight up offense and when we run the ball, you know, there's not going to be any kind of slick motion or anything like that. We're just going to snap the ball and have our running back lower his head and run into the pile. And I just want to see a bit more imagination. I want to see the Bears open things up uh, a little bit, you know. We're indoors. The elements are not going to be a factor. Let's, let's see. Let's, uh, you know, let this baby loose and see how she flies kind of thing, you know, because um, we're going to need to score points this week. You know, we, we can't de- keep depending on the on the defense, A, to keep putting points on the board for us and B, to continue to only allow, you know, well, I mean, the last two games, they're averaging six points a game, nine for the Ravens, three for the uh, Panthers. You know, they've only allowed four field goals from their from the offense in the last two games. You know, the touchdowns and everything from the Ravens, we we all know came from special teams. That's not on the defense. It goes against us, but it's not on the defense. The defense has been holding up its end the last two weeks. And in, even more so, last week against Carolina, the defense won the game for us by putting the points on the board the offense couldn't get. And um, we need the offense to do that. And it's important that it happens this week. Even, God forbid, even in a losing effort, it is important that the offense find some kind of rhythm heading into the bye. Because you don't want the stink of the failure of, holding you, you know, hanging over you for the next two weeks while we try to get ready for Green Bay. You know, you don't want to have that. You want to be able to have some positive, something positive to look at on film, saying like, see, we did this. We can do better. You know, we're going to get better. You know, we did this pretty well here. We're going to do it better as if we're going to work on this and keep going forward uh, and so on and so forth. I mean, that's something I think mentally that is important, especially for a team in the spot that we're in right now. You know, we're playing good football. We're not shooting ourselves in the foot. You know, we haven't been killing ourselves with penalties. We didn't turn the football over at all against Carolina. We won the turnover battle against Baltimore. You know, it's 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 all kind of turning itself around. And if we want to keep this momentum going, the offense has to get involved, period. You know, and just because the Saints are the Saints and they're dynamic offensively uh, because of Drew Brees, we're going to need to score some points. Because I think even a great effort from the defense, you know, may not result in the, them holding the Saints to single digits. I mean, we might give up a score or two just because, especially if the offense is going to be anemic in the beginning and we keep giving the ball back to New Orleans. That's the opposite of what we want to do this week. This is very much like the same strategy that I try to get the Bears to employ uh, anytime we play Rodgers and the Packers. It's like we want to keep the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands. The more we keep putting in his hands, the more opportunities we are giving him to kill us. The more we put the ball in the hands of Drew Brees and the Saints offense with Sean Payton calling the plays, the more likely the Saints are going to, you know, put points on the board and decisively beat the Bears on Sunday. You know, we want to be the ones winning the time of possession battle, you know, and God forbid, you know, Drew Brees is also known, and I should know actually he was my fantasy quarterback um, when i used to play fantasy football I, I i don't play fantasy football anymore it's i hate it actually i never really liked it to be honest with you but Dries was my breeze was my quarterback for 5 years he, cuz he was uh, my i was in a keeper league he was my quarterback for 5 years and i ought to know Every, every week that Drew Brees got me four touchdowns, he also threw two interceptions to cancel out at least one of those touchdowns. He's good for that kind of thing because the Saints throw the ball so much and or because they did. Anyway, you heard Tyler talk about quite a bit about Mark Ingram and uh, uh, the rookie Kamara, um, you know, really mixing things up in the running game, giving them a more balanced uh, attack. Well, we're good against the run, so we want to put the ball. It's a, it's a, It's actually kind of a pick your poison type thing you know do we want to shut down breeze and put it all on the run game or do we want to shut down the run game and put it all on on breeze it's an interesting you know pick your poison uh kind of deal which is why it's going to be important that our offense does its does its part this sunday i mean it, it really does fall on the offense and all things being equal if we can keep the penalties down limit the turnovers you know if it's a straight up football game it's going to be up to the offense our offense is going to decide whether or not we win this game it really is you know that's 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 what my that's what i believe is that if if our offense comes to play and puts their own points on the board this week then i think we have a great shot at winning this game uh on sunday and getting that four and four record uh to go into the bye you know basically a zero and zero team with uh one of the lighter schedules in the league in the second half so It's important, you know, and God forbid in the event that we don't win this game on Sunday, it's important that the offense does does its part, like I said, to show themselves more than anything else what they're capable of. You know, even if we lose in this this game to the Saints, it's important that the offense, you know, gets something going, some kind of rhythm, you know. I want to see Trubisky throw 20 passes on Sunday. That's what I want to see. And not because we're down and we have to throw – but because that's the way the offense is cooking. You know, the offense is moving the chains and we're mixing it up uh, offensively. Jordan Howard is getting his yards uh, on the ground and uh, Trubisky is, uh, you know, able to to get things done through the passing game. It's important that we do that this week. I really can't emphasize that enough. So, you know, what do you think is going to happen on Sunday? I honestly think the Bears are going to win. I really do. You know, the potential for disaster is there because the Saints, A, are playing better on defense than they have in a while, and B, Drew Brees can throw it all over the stadium. So, and number three, the Saints are very tough to beat in the Superdome. You know, actually, I can't remember the last time the Bears actually won a game in the Superdome. It's been a while, been a long time. So, um, you know, usually our recent success against the Saints has always been in Soldier Field. You know, going back to the NFC Championship game, they played us in... New Orleans or they, New Orleans came to Chicago like three or four years in a row. We won all those games because it was in December. It was in Soldier field, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, we went out there in 20, 2011 was our last trip out to the Superdome and they killed us. I think like week two, week three of 2011 or something like that. They beat, they beat us, uh, that week. So, you know, we haven't had much success in the Superdome, but we don't visit much. So, um, but I think the bears can win you know if uh like i said all things being equal keeping the penalties where they've been four or five penalties for 30 yards none of them very kill you know no no killer penalties no turnovers and, and things like that uh, the bears have a good shot to beat anybody um and we've proven that the last couple of weeks and i think we can win this game uh on sunday i definitely think so so i, I anticipate having a conversation with tyler and his co-host uh on monday night about how the bears won this game and, and where the saints went wrong uh against us so i mean we've uh we got the horses on defense to keep up with the saints but this will be a game that if the offense doesn't hold up its end the defense will wear down against that offense that is the that is what i'm uh concerned about so like i said you heard me say it here the offense if the offense doesn't do its part on sunday the bears will lose period that's just all there is to it it will come down to the offense on Sunday. If they're making if they're doing their part, keeping the ball away from Drew Brees, putting their own points on the board, we can probably walk away with this thing pretty easy. So that's the that's the way I think it's gonna go down on Sunday. So that will of course do it for the week eight preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. I will also be back on Monday myself, not just recording a show with Tyler but giving you the review episode of this game between the Bears and the Saints. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review. the the
0: The spirit of performance is what defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
3: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match.
4: The full story has never been told, so I'm gonna tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broom Gate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. BroomGate. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. Like that car riding right your tail.
1: Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too.